If you like the podcast, please subscribe and rate on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can follow Germania Divided and United on Twitter and Instagram at GermaniaPod. Hello, welcome to Germania Divided and United. Episode 1.24, The Rise and Fall of Stilicho. In 397, the court in Constantinople elevated Alaric, king of the Visigoths, to the rank of Magister Militum of Illyricum. More than 20 years after Emperor Valens agreed to let Fritigern and his followers settle in Roman territory, this community of Goths finally had a secure position in their new homeland. Alaric had just been a child when his people first crossed the Danube as refugees from the Huns and despite their great victory at Adrianople, they had no stability until the Photus with Theodosius in 382. Fifteen years later, after helping settle two civil wars, the Visigoths now had recognition as an allied independent nation and also positions in the inner circle of Roman military administration. This was the strongest they had been in a generation. There is an alternate history where the Visigoths continued to integrate into the Roman administrative structure. They continued to serve as valuable soldiers and generals in the legions. And perhaps a third court would have been established under these Gothic kings, maybe in Sirmium, so that they would be better positioned to actively defend the Danube border. This would allow the court in Milan to better focus on the Rhine border, changing the ways that future tribes immigrated into Gaul and Hispania. This ripple effect would change the entire history of Western Europe. But stability did not last for the Visigoths. Rome did not integrate them into the empire, and little more than a decade after Alaric's elevation as the supreme Roman military authority in Illyricum, he would lead an army to sack the spiritual capital of the empire. The initial peace lasted until 401. Over the four years after Alaric was elevated, the court at Constantinople took a turn away from its pro-barbarian stance. Both the political and military leaders surrounding Arcadius were overthrown and executed over this time period. The military commander was another ethnic goth, and when he lost favor, his enemies incited an anti-barbarian mob within the eastern capital. In the ensuing carnage, around 7,000 goths were hunted down and murdered. The Gothic leader tried to flee north of the Danube to take refuge with the Huns, but to win favor with Arcadius, the Huns sent his head to the eastern Augustus. The eastern court had not yet made any move against Alaric, but at this point he could tell his position was not secure. His eastern patrons were now dead, and the people who had replaced them had used a tide of anti-Goth sentiment to rise to power. As we discussed last week, the decision to make Alaric the Magister Militum of Illyricum was certainly not universally popular, especially in Greece and Thrace, whose citizens had suffered two years of Gothic pillaging just to have their taxes handed over to supply the same group who were nominally the Roman army for the region. But, as Alaric saw his position with the Eastern Court weaken, he also saw an opportunity to potentially extract concessions from the Western Court of Honorius. In 401, a combined group of Vandals and Alans crossed into the provinces of Raetia and Noricum, into an area that roughly corresponds to the modern nations of Austria and Switzerland. 
Like so many before them, they were fleeing from the expanding Huns. Stilicho led the army out of Italia to push back this invasion. While the ensuing confrontation is not well documented, Stilicho was successful in pushing these invaders back out of Roman territory. But with his position in the east now uncertain, Alaric decided to act boldly and led the Visigoths on an invasion of Italia. This violated every possible treaty, but Alaric saw an opportunity to negotiate from a position of strength with Honorius before he lost his position with Constantinople. With Stilicho and the legions of Italia engaged in the north, Honorius might panic and give Alaric donatives and a command in the west to keep the peace. The Visigoths first approached the city of Aquileia and put it to a siege, but the city walls were strong and the... Well, it doesn't seem accurate to call them barbarians any longer, so let's call them the Neo-Roman army, still had not mastered siegecraft. Alaric broke off his attack and then advanced towards Milan to threaten, I mean, negotiate with, Honorius. The story is that Honorius initially wanted to flee for Gaul, but that he was convinced to stay put by his advisors. Again, the Visigoths did not have the skill to lay siege to the city, so the decision was to wait them out until Stilicho could return. Unfortunately, by the time Stilicho had finished pushing back the Vandals and learned of Alaric's invasion, winter was setting in and the Italian legions would not be able to cross the frozen Alpine passes until the spring. So for the winter, Alaric and the Visigoths remained unchecked in northern Italia and raided towns and estates for the provisions they needed to survive. According to Jordanus, at some point after this invasion of Italia, Honorius decided to grant Alaric and the Visigoths rights to settle in Gaul. However, the timeline cited by Jordanus is compressed and confused with other events that happened later in the decade, and I haven't seen this fact confirmed by other sources. To the best of my knowledge, Alaric and the Visigoths never really tried to bargain for a position in Gaul, so I think this is most likely incorrect and one of the disadvantages of relying on histories that were written over a century after the events in question. I wouldn't have even mentioned it here, except for the fact that the eventual battle between Alaric and Stilicho takes place in the far northwestern corner of Italia. I realize that the Visigoths needed to raid across the countryside to stay supplied during the winter, but it does seem odd to me that Alaric would venture so far from the roots back to his base in the Central Empire unless he thought he had some kind of agreement in place with Honorius. I have added a map on Instagram, at Germaniapod, that shows the invasion route during this campaign, so you can evaluate for yourself. In the spring of 402, the Alpine passes thawed, and Stilicho came back into Italia with his legions to drive off Alaric. As mentioned, the ensuing battle was fought in northwest Italy, near Polintia, just south of the modern city of Torino. In a somewhat scandalous move, Stilicho decided to attack the Visigoths on Easter Sunday in April 402. Both Alaric's Goths and Stilicho's Romans were Christian, and Easter is obviously the most holy day in the Christian calendar. To limit the damage to his reputation, Stilicho placed the army under the command of an ethnically Alan pagan general for this battle. The Battle of Palentia is not well documented, but Stilicho and the Romans emerged victorious. 
The casualty numbers are not supposed to have been especially high, though the Romans did capture a good number of prisoners after the battle. However, Alaric was not among the captured. In the aftermath of the battle, Stilicho agreed to release some of his Gothic prisoners of war if Alaric would lead his people back to Illyria. However, Alaric did not move out of Italia at a particularly rapid speed. He ended up camping his army near the modern city of Verona. His specific reasons for remaining in Italia are not well understood. Maybe his army did not have the supplies they needed to complete the return journey. Maybe Alaric was hoping that by hanging around he could keep negotiations going for a more favorable deal with the western court. Maybe the Visigoths wanted to try and pick another fight to see if they could defeat the Romans. Whatever the reason, in the summer of 402 or the summer of 403, Stilicho and Alaric ended up facing off again at the Battle of Verona. This battle is also not well documented, except to note that A. The Goths were crushed, B. Alaric again escaped the field, and C. Many high-ranking Goths deserted Alaric at this point, making their own agreements with Stilicho and joining the Roman army. This was the low point of Alaric's career. Alaric retreated back into Illyria. There are some reports that in 404, Stilicho and Honorius celebrated a triumph in honor of the victories at Palentia and Verona. But despite the victory, Alaric's invasion of Italia, and the speed with which he threatened Honorius in Milan, led Stilicho to make an important decision that highlighted the sad decline of Roman power. The imperial court, and therefore capital, was moved out of Milan down to the city of Ravenna on the Adriatic coast. Ravenna had long been an important port, and Augustus himself had made it the primary naval base in northeastern Italia. But the advantage it offered now was that the city was tucked away behind swamps and canals and was only accessible by one road. Combined with its port, it would be difficult to impossible to lay a siege via land. So Stilicho moved to Norius to Ravenna to keep him safe, and the city remained the imperial capital until the fall of the Western Empire. The map on Instagram also shows the progression of Italian capitals, from Rome to Milan to Ravenna. With Alaric and the Visigoths now humbled, Stilicho was probably at the height of his powers. He was now the father-in-law of the emperor, who, despite being close to 20 years old, was still not in any position to take over command of his own empire. Stilicho's military command had been a string of victories for roughly a decade, going back to the Battle of the Frigidus. While he had detractors and enemies in both the west and the east, there was not much they could do to dislodge him from power. In the years following the Battle of Verona, Stilicho and Alaric came to an understanding, if not a formal truce. Stilicho still wanted control of the Illyrian provinces, and he negotiated with Alaric to support him in that endeavor. The details of this plan are sketchy, but the Visigoths were going to advance down into Greece as they had in 396, and Stilicho would then invade with a western army. Step 3. Profit. It seems that their plan was to move forward in the spring of 407. Unfortunately, this is when events began to get away from Stilicho, and the fact that he was an ethnic vandal began to become a political liability. The year 406 saw two separate barbarian invasions that had major long-term consequences. 
Both were the result of the continued Han expansion towards Central and Western Europe, which pushed more and more of the tribal nations towards the Roman border. In 406, a band of pagan Goths from beyond the Danube finally decided they were better off dealing with the Romans instead of the Huns, and pushed their way into Italia. In order to more effectively feed themselves off the plunder of the countryside, they broke into three separate raiding parties and got to work sacking small towns in the north of the peninsula. Some records say that the leader of these Goths had sworn to sack Rome and sacrifice the Senate to his gods, but that seems like later anti-barbarian and or anti-pagan propaganda. Stilicho brought down reinforcements from the Upper Rhine, and combined with the Italian legions, they quickly defeated and scattered the largest group of Goths, while they were attempting to sack Florentia, the modern city of Florence. Following this defeat, the Gothic leader was captured, either trying to reconnect with the other two armies, or abandoning his people and running for his life. He was immediately beheaded, and with their leader dead, the Goths all surrendered. Stilicho took roughly 12,000 warriors and enrolled them into the legions, with their families allowed to settle in towns around the Western Empire. The remaining Goths were either sold into slavery or sent back across the borders to be punished by the Huns for attempting to flee their domination. However, Stilicho did not have much time to relax following this victory. Late in 406, a massive coalition of Vandals, Subai, Burgundians, Saxons, and Alans reached the Lower Rhine and pushed their way into Roman territory. At this point, the Lower Rhine was defended by the Allied Franks, who were starting to establish their dominion over northeastern Gaul. But they were not, at this point, strong enough to stand against the combined might of these other tribes, and by early 407, they were now loose in the interior of Gaul, and would push their way towards Hispania. Most of the Gallic legions at this point were still in Italia in the aftermath of the Gothic invasion, so the remaining troops were not enough to meet this invasion in the field. News of this barbarian invasion eventually reached the Roman legions stationed in Britannia. These legions were not especially impressed with the Augustus Honorius, to whom they had pledged their fealty, and by this point they were ready for a mutiny. In 407, they elevated a man known to history as Constantine III as their Augustus. No relation to Constantine the Great, and most likely a career soldier with no particular family connections at all. The tipping point for these troops was likely the lack of a response to the barbarian invasion of northern Gaul, because upon his ascension, Constantine III packed up all of the British legions and sailed for the port of Boulogne to expel the invaders. The Roman abandonment of Britannia is generally dated to 410, and Constantine III removing all of the legions from the island in 407 certainly played a big role. Once he was on the continent, the remnants of the Gallic legions pledged their allegiance to Constantine, and they set off to expel the barbarian armies operating across the provinces. So Stilicho was now faced with a complex decision. Is Constantine III the most important threat because he is a usurper to imperial power? Or are the Vandals and other invaders the bigger threat because they are terrorizing Roman citizens in Roman territory? While Stilicho was dealing with this situation, Alaric had packed up the Visigothic army and, almost certainly following a plan he and Stilicho had previously agreed to, invaded Greece. 
He was expecting Stilicho to provide him with support as part of his goal to reclaim control of Illyricum for the West. But with the recent chaos in Gaul and Italia, Stilicho was forced to call off the operation. Alaric, however, sent messages to Ravenna, pointing out that he had accrued a great deal of expense in supplying his army for this war, and that he wanted to have his expenses reimbursed. And in the process of sending this request, Alaric also brought his army from Greece all the way to Noricum. Stilicho, wanting to keep the Visigoths peaceful while his troops would need to go north, pushed the Senate to approve payment to Alaric. I have seen the amount reported as 4,000 pounds of gold or 4,000 pounds of silver, but either way, the Senate felt strong-armed into complying. According to Zosimus, one of the senators denounced this by saying, quote, This is not a peace, but a bond of servitude. Unquote. With a peace secured with Alaric, Stilicho could now turn his attention to the twin threats in Gaul. When the Vandals et al. had first invaded, Stilicho was only able to deploy a small group of auxiliaries to support the legions in defending the cities of Gaul. Unfortunately, the auxiliaries at his disposal were the Vandal auxiliaries, and when they arrived at Trier, they were turned away by the Romans, either because they could not differentiate between the invading Vandals and the Romano Vandals, or because they did not trust these Vandals to remain faithful when the invading hordes eventually reached their city. With no access to food or supplies, these Vandal auxiliaries began to plunder the countryside. Now that he could deploy a full force to the region, Stilicho decided that the priority first needed to be defeating the imperial usurper, then pacifying the provinces and expelling the barbarian invaders. Combined with his recent decisions to pay off Alaric and to enroll so many of the defeated Goths into the legions, the nobility across the west began murmuring that Stilicho was prioritizing the well-being of the barbarian tribes over that of Roman citizens, as noble Constantine was out there fighting off the invaders of the empire. I appreciate Gibbon's remark that the people blamed their misfortunes on Stilicho's pro-barbarian policies due to, quote, the natural consequence of their own degeneracy, unquote. The primary source of Stilicho's power was still his position as father-in-law and puppet master of Honorius. With so many political enemies now attacking him, Stilicho did not want to personally lead the army north to face Constantine, so he entrusted command to a Gothic general who had defected to the Romans from Alaric after the Battle of Verona. The Italian legions advanced into Gaul and won an initial victory over Constantine's army, forcing them to retreat back into a city in the interior of the province. They were besieged by these Italian forces, but fortunately, reinforcements arrived quickly and lifted the siege. These reinforcements had been on their way to the Pyrenees to chase down some of the barbarians who'd invaded Hispania, so their arrival to save Constantine was more lucky coincidence than anything else. The Italian legions at this point decided it would be best to retreat back to the peninsula before winter so they could regroup. However, as they went to cross through Raetia back to the Alpine passes into Italia, a local militia had fortified the passes and demanded a toll to allow the legions to pass. Rather than force the issue, the generals paid the toll and everything was resolved peacefully, but it was yet another sign that the Romans were losing control of their northern territory. This brings us now to the spring of 408, 
And if you were paying attention last week, you remember that I said Stilicho was the de facto leader of the West until his death in 408. So with usurpers in the north, an uncertain alliance with the Goths to their east, and invading Germanic tribes all across his domains, Honorius is about to lose his most capable and trusted advisor. In 408, Arcadius, Augustus of the East, died unexpectedly. From a succession standpoint, he had fortunately already named his only son, Theodosius II, as his co-Augustus. Unfortunately, Theodosius II was only seven years old at this point, and there was clearly going to be some struggle for power over the administration of the East until he reached adulthood. Stilicho still wanted to reclaim the Illyrian provinces, and potentially put himself in a position to rule the entire empire, so he decided to go east with a small group of retainers to advocate for his, I mean Honorius's, interests in the succession. Unfortunately for Stilicho, all the reasons he did not want to leave Honorius's side to battle Constantine III were still valid when he wanted to go off to maneuver for control over Theodosius II. With Stilicho now out of the capital, rumors began that Stilicho intended to betray the house of Theodosius and assassinate his rivals in the eastern court to install his own son as the Augustus. Stilicho's enemies further coordinated a mutiny of Roman soldiers at the town of Ticinium, modern Pavia, Italy. When Stilicho heard of the mutiny, he realized that it was likely part of some conspiracy against him, and that his only hope for survival was to get back to the court and regain control of Honorius. He retreated back towards Ravenna and took refuge in a church with just his small entourage, including a group of Hunnic bodyguards. The only loyal soldiers he could have called on at this point were barbarian auxiliaries, and by this point Stilicho seemed to realize that using barbarians to fight Roman legions, who were fighting under the banner of the Augustus no less, would not do him any good. Soldiers arrived with written orders to take Stilicho into custody and bring him before the emperor. However, once Stilicho was outside of the protection of the church, these soldiers produced another set of orders showing that Stilicho was an enemy of the state and he was to be executed immediately. On August 22nd, 408, Stilicho was beheaded. His son was executed a few days later. During the continued Germanization of Rome over the previous century, Germanic soldiers had used the relative meritocracy of the army to rise to positions of incredible power within the empire. Stilicho is remembered as the first of these Germanic generals to become the de facto ruler of the Western Roman Empire, and he did a pretty good job navigating the chaos following the death of Theodosius the Great in 395. He was basically undefeated in battle, and until 407 he was constantly able to organize a response to the threats that faced the Western Empire. His biggest flaw, which contributed so much to his downfall, was his obsession with expanding his influence to the east, to Illyria, Greece, and Constantinople. Stilicho's death had profound consequences for Rome, and for the history of the Western world. Honorius no longer had a strong military commander he could count on, and there were still Gallo-Roman, Vandal, and Visigothic armies surrounding him that he could not control. Next week, we will navigate his successes and mostly his failures, which would lead directly to Alaric's sack of Rome.